We use that word a lot, don't we? Revive us again, Lord. Use a nuclear bomb if you have to. Do you think God wants to work? Do you mind if I take this off? No music, just I'm just going to take it off. I'm fired up today. It's been a wonderful week. You say, where have you been? Every time I look on TV, I see 10,000 people crushed under concrete. Do you realize that God is in total control of this? And that what seemingly is a bad circumstance is a wonderful thing that God is going to use. Romans 8.28 says God works all things. He, if you read it, he says he causes all things to work together for good. God is going to use this for good. And whew, I'm looking for opportunity. I can't wait to go. If you say you want to go to Haiti, come see me because we are going. As soon as I get the, red li- or the green light to go, I'm going. So that was free. Now we're going to turn to John 18. John 18, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that uh, today. John 18, the title of my sermon this morning is Two Roads. If you would stand in honor and reverence for the reading of God's Word, we're in John chapter 18, verse 12 we will begin with. We are going verse by verse through the Gospel of John. It has taken us 36 years. We have gotten to chapter 18. Uh, But we are learning what God has to tell us through His Word. And we are making a a path to the cross that will take us all the way to Easter. But we will learn what Jesus Christ did and the sacrifice that He made. John 18, verse 12. So the Roman cohort and the commander, the officers of the Jews, arrested arrested Jesus and bound Him and led Him to Annas first, For he was father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. Now Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jews that it was expedient for one man to die on behalf of the people. Simon Peter was following Jesus, and so was another disciple. Now that disciple was known to the high priest and entered with Jesus into the court of the high priest. But Peter was standing at the door outside. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the doorkeeper and brought Peter in. Then the slave girl who kept the door said to Peter, You are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? And he said, I am not. Now the slaves and the officers were standing there, having made a charcoal fire, for it was cold. They were warming themselves, and Peter also with them, standing and warming himself. Now we switch scenes. The high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. I always taught in the synagogues and in the temple where all the Jews come together and I spoke nothing in secret. Why do you question me? Question those who have heard what I spoke to them. They know what I said. When he said this, One of the officers standing nearby struck Jesus, saying, Is that the way you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, If I have spoken wrongly, testify of the wrong. But if rightly, why do you strike me? So Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Switch scenes again. Now 
Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. So they said to him, You are not also one of his disciples, are you? He denied it, and he said, I am not. One of the slaves of the high priest, being a relative of the one whose ear Peter cut off, said, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter then denied it again, and immediately a rooster crowed. May God honor the reading of his word. Would you bow with me? Father God, we're not here to just do another exercise. We're not here out of tradition. Father, we're here to magnify you. You are most magnified when your word goes out. Father, to some, this message is going to go out and smell like life. Father, as we have read already, that it will also go out and be the smell of death to some. But Father, as your word goes out, it is glorified. You are glorified through it. So Father, I will stand in that. But that being said, Father, we do pray that you will touch hearts and lives today. That you will open up their hearts to the truth of your word. Maybe things that they've heard thousands and thousands of times would today resonate. You are the one that opens our ears. May you work today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. I love literature, and I am well aware that not everyone loves literature. But every once in a while, one strikes me, and I'm going to read one that is quite possibly my favorite because it describes life in such a good way. It's by Robert Frost. Many of you are very familiar with this. It's called The Road Not Taken. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood. I'm sorry I could not travel both. Be one traveler long I stood. And looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. Then took the other as just as fair and having perhaps the better claim because it was grassy and wanted wear. Though as for that, the passing there had warned them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay in leaves no step and trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day. Yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I should be telling this with a sigh somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood. And I, I took the one less traveled by. And that has made all of it. I, I love this story. It strikes a chord with me. It reminds me, my favorite text in Scripture is the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7. The best sermon ever preached. You'll never find a better one. Jesus, in this sermon, he's winding it up and he talks about two roads, and that's what this poem reminds me of. Let's read it together. It's coming. I feel it. There it is. Here's what it says. Jesus is speaking. He says, enter through the narrow gate, for the 
gate is wide, the way is broad that leads to what? And there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small, the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are what? In our early service this morning, I stated this several times. I don't think it can be overstated. These words should rock us. Jesus has said from time after time that not everybody that says, Lord, Lord, really is a Christian. He's also said in different parables that in the church, there's wheat and there's tares. And that they both look exactly the same, except that the wheat produces fruit. The tare does not. And as we look at this passage today, I really think as we look at the lives of our two characters, we're looking at Jesus and we're looking at Peter. And we're going to compare them because I believe one is on the narrow road. Who you reckon that is? Okay, this is the point. We do this every week. I don't know. I gotta explain it every week. When I ask a question, what do I expect? Okay, so the narrow way would be which character? Jesus. Jesus is the narrow way. He is the bridge from death to life. He's it. I love this picture. Look at it. This, to me, describes life. God says the narrow way is the only way to me. And the devil wants to put a road right there that intersects and says, Hey, you don't have to do that. Has God surely said you will not die? That's what he said, said to Eve and Adam in the garden. And this whole thing started going bad. And it's been going bad since. And he's been lying to each and every one of us saying, You don't have to take the narrow road. Take this shortcut. Deal with that later on in your life after you've done your living. They ain't living outside of Christ. That's for sure. So well, let me give you a little background as we dial into this. But number one, we're saying Jesus stands for truth despite what? You willing to do that? Or are you in for Christ for what he can do for you? There's a big difference between asking Jesus into your heart and surrendering your life to him. There's a big difference for Jesus come in and be my savior. Or I'm dying to myself today to accomplish your will. Huge difference. Probably the difference between the broad road and the narrow road the difference between eternal life and eternal death so i would ask you to pay attention a little background jesus is arrested he's led before annas annas was high priest for nine years until he made the roman government mad they booted him out and they put his kid in charge how would you like that he was still the one pulling the strings Annas is a, well, he was a proud, ambitious, but 
really, he was notoriously greedy. It was even said that the court of the temple was called the Bazaar of Annas, where they sold the sacrifices, where they did the money changing. He hated Jesus. Why? Can you think of anything in the annals of your mind? Why Annas would hate Jesus so much? There was two events in Jesus' life where he walked into the temple. He was a little bit, to use the Johnson County vernacular, he was ticked off, right? What was he ticked off about? Anyone? He said, this isn't Annas' bazaar. This is my father's house. And he said, you have turned my father's house, which is supposed to be a house of what? same mistake as the early church. We've got to worship down, but that's not what he said. He says, my father's house is to be a house of prayer. But you have turned it into a den of thieves. Men beat with rods. You know, little Tom, my Jesus, flipped over the tables. He ran them all off. This infuriated Annas, don't you think? Now, it's clear that in this text, they're on a fishing expedition. They already know what they want to do with Jesus. What do they want to do? Yeah, let's read back. It'll be up on the screen here in a second. John chapter 11. You can turn back. It's only a couple pages. John chapter 11. It says this. I'm going to start reading in verse 47, and I'm going to read quickly. So you're going to have to follow quickly. Therefore, the chief priests and the Pharisees convened the council. And we're saying, what are we doing? For this man is performing many what? Signs, not miracles, signs. What does, I, I put signs as our picture today. What are signs? Yes, they point to something, don't they? What signs are they talking about? Jesus claimed to be Messiah. They claimed he wasn't. All the signs and the evidence, however, pointed to what? that he was but let's read on if we let him go on like this what all men will believe in him and the romans will come and take away both our place and our nation who are they worried about are they willing to sacrifice for god's will no they want the messiah to come and deliver them so they can keep their prominent place. Boy, this applies to us today in church today. Boy, we're interested in position, clout, and authority. However, the Bible should be our authority. But we go on. I digress. One of them, Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, said to them, what? It really goes a long way when you're trying to have a conversation with people. Listen, y'all know nothing. Nor do you take into account that it is expedient for you that one man die for the people and that the whole nation not perish. Now, he did not say this on his own initiative, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus was going to die for the nation, and not for the nation only, but in order that he might also gather together into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. So, from that day on, what? 
soon as we get a chance. We already know we're going to kill him. Now we're just looking for evidence. They're on a fishing expedition. Uh, the one thing about the truth is that it can be told time after time after time, can't it? You, you realize that our whole judicial system is based on this, that the truth can be repeated over and over and over, and which is quite ridiculous how we want to come up with this progressive movement that everything is a living document. That's baloney. Things are either right or they're wrong. You see, the ones here that wanted a living document would have been the Pharisees because they were trying to work it. Now, here's how the law works. I get accused of something. They look and see if there's evidence to the fact that I did this. And then they do, they indict me, right? They arrest me, they put me in jail, and then they go out and they gather all the witnesses that are going to witness to the fact of what I've done. Is that what they do here? No, remember, because they've already decided that Jesus is guilty and he must die. And what he's guilty of is trying to take their position. They're God, and he is not in their eyes. Are they right or wrong, by the way? They're wrong. Good. We got that point down. They get him, they arrest him, and then they want him to incriminate himself. Look what he says. I've spoken openly to the world, verse 20. Verse 21, why are you questioning me? Is that the way the law works? You arrest me, then interrogate me so I can incriminate myself? Is that the way the law works? No. He says, why don't you go out and do your work? Go out and find witnesses and ask them, and they'll tell you what I taught. Would they do that? Why not? Because they would tell the truth. You see, Jesus here is just worried about the truth. Well, when he said that, one of the minions comes up and does what? Now, let's pick on someone. Who should we pick on? Sherry's up front. Should we pick on her? Sherry, you have a sister, don't you? Your sister ever slapped you? Never. You've got good family relations. Has anyone ever here had a family member slap them? Sherry, yeah. Okay, Sherry, did you get slapped or you were the slappy or the slapper? You were the slapper? Okay, now, let's just examine this. If you get slapped, what's your first response? That way. <laughs> is that what Jesus did? This is amazing. here. Jesus is only concerned about the truth. He's not concerned about his own pain at all. We're going to see this played out over and over and over and over again. But look what he says. He doesn't say, we can compare Paul in, in uh, Acts 23, if you want to read that. They slapped Paul, and he said, you whitewashed tomb, God's going to slap you down. Jesus doesn't say that, though, does he? See, what Jesus is concerned about is the Father's will, nothing else. And he realizes that all through this, God's will is what? Being done. These windbags ain't got nothing on him. It says, if I have spoken wrongly, testify of the wrong. But if rightly, why do you strike me? And what did they do when he spoke this? End of fishing expedition. Well, let's get him out of here. We're going to actually have to find witnesses that will lie. We'll deal with lying in a minute. 
Jesus knew the Father's plan, didn't he? He had already submitted to it, and he knew it was going to be his sacrifice. Now, I would put before you today that people reject Christ based on the fact that he's going to take the position that they hold. You see, we're born wanting to be in control of our own lives. Would you agree with that? I want to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, with whom I want to do it with, and when I want to do it. Now, do you have to be taught that, Stephen? Or are you just born with that? Yeah. Did you have to teach Michael that, or has he already grabbed a hold of that? Wait till the next one comes. Wake up call for Michael. He's going to find out he's not the king of the world. Is that okay? No, it's not. You see, after I've rejected Christ, then I'm looking for evidence. This is the way it always goes. It's not that people look at evidence and then reject Christ. That's not the way it is. You see, people have already got it in their mind that they want to do what they want to do. Therefore, now they're going to go on a fishing expedition for the rest of their life looking for things that will support the fact that they're not going to give their life to Jesus. So whether it's the preacher that ran off with the pianist, that's my wife plays the piano, I can run off with her. Whether it's the deacon that lives one way at church and lives another way in the jobs, whatever it is, we use that as evidence. Put that in my file. That's why I'm not going to be a Christian. Because of all these people. And we're supposed to live our lives like Christ. Right out there in the middle of all that. Not caring whether they slap us, spit us, do whatever. We're there. To refute all the stuff in their file. So that just like John the Baptist, they'll have to get rid of all the stuff, all the excuses, and have to look dead straight at Jesus. Yes or no. My goal in preaching every week is to make you, each and every one of you, have to make a choice, yes or no. And you do, every week. Know that the more times you say no, the easier it gets. You see, this is the Christian way. This is the narrow way. And there's few who find it. Few. Does that scare you a little bit? Does it scare you that Jesus himself says, you know, I had 12 people follow me for three and a half years, and one of them was the devil. Have you ever stopped to think maybe you're the devil? See, that's where this brings me to in my own life. Am I the Judas? You see, the Bible tells us you don't even know in your own mind. You, you've got to be seeking his direction you've got to be asking god show me what i am and i'll do it but one thing for sure about the narrow way it's never about you it's always about the will of god that's why well let's read this verse in second timothy it's going to be up here here it is we're skipping it second timothy three no not too fast go back go back go back you can do it. There it is. Let's read this together out loud. Go. Most people get saved to escape 
persecution. Most people get saved to make their life happier and easier. What does that say? Uh, wrong. Now, if you want meaning in life, if you want to know your purpose, surrender your life to Christ because you will find your purpose for living. But it ain't going to be fun all the time. It ain't going to be easy all the time. Matter of fact, the world will hate you. They hated Christ. So what in the world do we think? We're thinking we're going to be little Christ, but yet have the opposite result. Isn't that the definition of insanity? If you act like Christ, you're going to get the same result. They're going to want to kill you. And your and my job is that while they're nailing us to the cross to say, Jesus loves you. While they're spitting on my face and pulling my beard out, if I could grow one. Is that the Lord loves you. And you can kill me all you want, but it's not going to stop the fact that he loves you. You see, that's what it means to be a Christian. Well, we wish we could just focus on that, but we've got to look at Peter. Peter. Peter, Peter. Pumpkin Peter. What is Peter standing on here? He's definitely on the broad road. The interesting thing about the broad road is that everyone's born on this road. All of us. And all you got to do to stay on the broad road to hell is just do what comes natural. He is worried about his own skin, isn't he? He's worried about taking care of number one. Brother Charles, you back there? Brother Charles, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. You ready for this one? We're all going to die. You believe that, Rodney? Well, <laughs> what? Look in the mirror. Rigor's already happened. I'm about to have my 40th birthday this week, and I, look. Said he was getting on to me about my haircut today. I said, look, somebody told me the hair covered up a lot of ugly. You believe that too, but it don't. What it was was just more to work with. That's right, you did, didn't you? If all you're looking for from Christ is for him to do what you want to do and help you along the way, you're going to be sadly not what Christ is about. You see, Christ is all about working in fatherhood and empowering you to a new life that allows you freedom to be the father you were also. Freedom that I wasn't born with, freedom that you weren't born with. Peter's not there yet, though, is he? Does anyone know what the first beatitude is? Blessed are the Poor in spirit. What does that mean? Does anyone know? You can you can talk. Realize who you really are. Do you realize that God is trying to work this in every one of our lives? He's trying to get us to the place. Do you think Peter's at the point where he really knows who he is yet? How do we know that? No, we know it because 
First of all, he tried to pull Jesus aside and straighten Jesus out. Not going to happen. Then, when they were trying to arrest Jesus to do the Father's will, he pulled out the sword. Does Peter got it yet? No. Do you? That's the question we're getting at. And I would say, I don't know. Do you know in your own life? I know this. I was saved at the ripe old age of seven. And I was saved at seven. Now, I know I gave my life to Jesus Christ at seven years old. Did I know who I was at seven years old? No. It's been 33 years of pain since then. What's the pain been about? The pain has been about God taking steps to show me who I am. That's what he's doing with Peter here. Did did Peter need to lie? Did he? No. Think about, this is what's going on, okay? The thing about, the truth is it can be told time and time and time again, right? But the thing about a lie is that it needs to be constantly renewed and affirmed and propped up. You got to have a good memory to be a liar. Well, I never was a good liar. They're following Jesus. There's two disciples, Peter, most people believe John. And John apparently knew the high priest. Most people believe that he delivered fish to the high priest, and that's how they knew him. So he had access right in. Peter was a little lower class fisherman. He was kind of scared to go in this rich people's house so he's waiting outside what does john do john says hey where's pete oh idiot let's go get him so he goes outside he says, come on in here and the doorkeeper says are you also one of his disciples did he need to lie john's right there obviously they know john is the disciple right but what does peter say it makes no sense why he lied have you ever you ever lied like that i have lied before like that and walked away and said and instead of getting it right what happens is i just pretend like i did right oh don't you all look holy at me maybe you are okay this is me but then what happens is a little bit down the line right guess what happens they're at the fire say to Peter John's up there close to Jesus apparently he's trying to huddle over in the corner and be nonchalant you one of his disciples apparently the girl that he just told no to was right there within earshot so what did he have to do he had to lie again know that telling one lie leads to another lie and that road that slippery slope that you're on leads to ridiculous uh, destinations. It will make you look like an idiot. It will get you to the point where you're discussing what the definition of is is. Lying always does this. It gets to the point where they're standing there and here's a specific guy. Do you think if somebody cut the ear off your cousin three hours before, you'd remember his face? So did this guy. He said, that's baloney. I was in the garden. I saw you cut Malchus's ear off. And then I saw Jesus put it back on. You think that would have stuck with you? 
And so Peter's there. What does it say happened next? Luke, Luke's gospel gives us a little more. Here's what it says. Peter said, man, I did not know what you're talking about. If you read Matthews, it kind of says he cussed him. He used the Lord's name in vain just to show that he wasn't one of those disciples. <laughs> Immediately, while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed. Oh, look at this. The Lord turned and what? Imagine. Remembered the word of the Lord. How he had told him before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went away and wept bitterly. Do you know what the second beatitude is? Oh, I tell you, what you need to, every one of those people, need to go back and you need to study Matthew 5. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And then it says, blessed are they that mourn. What do you reckon you're supposed to mourn over? who I am. You see, God shows me who I am when it hurts. Have you ever been there? I'm telling you, this is salvation. Remember, none of us are saved. We're all in the process of being saved. The first initial step is to surrender my life to him, but then it's ongoing sanctification, right? Ongoing, him showing me who I am, and ongoing, I cannot trust myself, I have to trust him. Ongoing, dealing with my sin when I make the wrong choice. Does it get easier the longer you're saved? More difficult. You see, the closer I get to the light, the more it shows me. I believe we're all good people. There was this uh, pastor that was driving down the road, driving erratically like he was a drunk. State patrolman pulled him over. He said, Reverend, it looks to me like you were drinking. You're driving all over the road. He says, I would would never do that. The patrolman says, well, what's that bag there with that open bottle? And he says, I don't know. Roman takes it and smells it. He says, this is wine. The preacher says, the Lord's done it again. You see, we like to think of lies as white lies, don't we? But the fact is, if you start telling white lies, you will soon become colorblind. And you see, the only reason we tell lies This is the broad road. What scares me is that today we are living in a society that uses Christ. Uses Christ to promote self. Largely, this is what the church of the United States has become. A place where we use Christ to better our lives.
Let's bring up 2 Timothy 3 again. We've already read the verse that follows this, right? All who seek to live godly will be persecuted. But here's what it says before that. But realize this, that in the last days, before Christ comes back, that's what he's talking about, what difficult times will come. For man will what? Are we there yet? We are. The end of this, it goes through a list of all the things. Read it. But it finishes with this that I feel like is the most damning. It says they're holding to a form of what? Although they have denied its power. It's saying this. God has given me the freedom to accomplish the Father's will. But I'm not going to do it. Are these people truly saved? No, these people are on the broad road that leads to destruction. And you can say all the words, I can say all the words, and it does not matter. What matters is, who's Lord of my life? There's good news in this text, though. Here, let's get to the good news, right? The good news is that Peter blew it, but that God didn't give up on him. This is the, the best news of all. Peter is weeping bitterly. Remember, what did Judas do when he started weeping bitterly? He went out and hung himself. That's Peter. Peter went right back to doing the same old things that he did before Christ. I pick on Jason because he's not here this week. I led Jason to the Lord. He said he would come to Christ, but that he loved smoking pot. That's why he couldn't come to Christ. I've told this many times I said give your life to Christ and smoke all the pot you want but you know what he did and you know how much pot he smoked man because God changed his heart it wasn't because Peter was such a good guy that God got a hold of him. He went right back to doing the same old stuff that he'd done before Christ. But once you've given your life to Christ, there's no going back. You can try to do it, but it won't give you the lift that it used to. God came after the resurrection. God in human form came to Peter said, Peter, you can read it, go feed my And just to end the whole story up, I want to read 1 Peter 4. It says this. Peter's at the end of his life. He's about to be crucified upside down because he's not worthy to die the same way as his Savior. Does this sound like a man who's been transformed? Does this seem like the same guy that denied the Savior for no particular reason? 1 Peter 4, 12 says, Beloved, the whole book's about suffering and enduring it. He says, Do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that also at the revelation of his glory you may rejoice with exaltation. What's he talking about? He's saying this. 
the amount of suffering I go through here is going to be according to how much I enjoy him there. To sum this all up, Brother Lloyd, man, if you don't come to Brotherhood, you're just missing out on the best thing going. But Brother Lloyd brought this video in this week of Haiti. Man, bad, isn't it? And he showed this video of a man. The whole building is collapsed. There's a concrete slab that's sitting sideways. You can look at it on CNN. About that thick. There's a hole, and there's a man under there trapped. And being the sensitive interviewer that CNN is, they threw the microphone. What would you say? If you were pinned under a building, you've been pinned under there for 48 hours, they finally get you to the point where they can talk to you, and some joker throws a microphone in your face. The real you's coming out then. I mean, there ain't no church language coming out then. The way I feel like it, you know? This is, the facades are gone, this is me. Guess what he said? They said, aren't you worried about the whole building falling down on you? Duh! He said, I'm a Christian. He said, my life is in the Lord's hands. And then, he could only move his right hand. He pointed out there to everyone else out there. He says, I'm in no different situation than all of you. We can fret and moan and worry and frighten and have panic attacks over everything that's going on in our life broad road road that leads to destruction and i will tell you this many christians are on the narrow road thinking they're on the broad road i don't know where you're at but i know this god's in control of everything that happens in my life and not nothing going by him by mistake and i i just hope that if the building's sitting on me i could testify to the fact that he's lord of my life but i guarantee you this you're not going to be able to do that if you can't live for him when everything so here's where we're at you say preacher i hate to tell you this but we're past well well if you came to this church to get out of noon you came to the wrong place i'm just saying what i'm saying is here's where we are either you're willing to say, I'm going to stand for Christ. I'm going to go the narrow way, and it's going to be dying to self daily and living for Him. Oh, am I going to mess up? You better believe it. As soon as I mess up, God's going to discipline me, and I'm going to get right, and I'm going to go back, and even the sin that I've done in my life, I'm going to be able to say, look, when I sinned, God used it for good in my life. But you got to get to the point where you say, God, I'm giving it all to you. I realize who I am. I'm not good people. I'm not coming from good stock. I am sinning and deserve hell. And I'm not happy about it. Until you get there, you're going to whistle Dixie all the way down the broad road. So if God, in His grace and His mercy, is bringing circumstances into your life to show you that you're not in control, Stop whining. Stop asking why. Say what? I want what? What 
after that, He'll show you. He'll show you if you need to get saved. He'll show you. If you're a Christian already, He'll show you if you've got unconfessed sin in your life that you need to get saved. If you've got a calling that you can't handle, God will show it to you. And just like Gideon, He'll say, look at here, go and do it in my strength. Whatever it is, seek God's direction. Would you bow with me? This is our invitation time. This is not a time to pack up your stuff. This may be, outside of the reading of the Word, the most important thing we do here. Every one of us is going to have to make a decision about yes or no today. Oh, I sure want you to say yes. But I'm not going to manipulate you. You're going to have to make that decision before God. If you want to pray at this altar, it's open. If you want to pray with me, I'm here for you. But we need to pray. We need to ask God to work in our lives and to show us who He truly is. Father God, I cannot live like Your Son Jesus. In my own flesh, I am incapable. But Father, I do know that as I die to myself and as I submit to Your Spirit, that lives within me, I am capable to live a victorious life in you. Father, I pray that each of us will be able to say that today. May you work in this time. In Jesus' name. With heads bowed, eyes closed, Brother Keith is going to come and sing. I want us all to stand to our feet. We're going to do business with God right now. Just as you are, hear the Spirit call. Come, just as you are, come receive Christ the King. Come and live forever. Come, just as you are. Hear the Spirit call, come just as you are, come and see, come receive, come and live forevermore, life everlasting and strength for today taste the living water and never thirst again come just as you are hear the spirit call Come just as you are. Come receive Christ the King. Come and live forevermore. The Savior is waiting to enter your heart. Why? 
won't you let him come in? There's nothing in this world to keep you apart. What is